Hey everybody, Sword here with another episode of podcast. Um, this one is a little bit of a bonus episode. I hope you enjoy it. It gets into some hypotheticals. I'm just here to remind you to remember to subscribe. Please come to our Discord. And, uh, and if you have any recommendations for further episodes as we start getting ready to close out the year, I'd love to hear them. Um, yeah, please enjoy. I guess just a little bit of a rundown. Sometimes this comes. Uh, sometimes this comes up. Uh, I I have to travel um, for my work, and I get uh, sent to very unusual places. Um, very often, the desert. Uh, I am a desert specialist in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but um, you know, throughout my time here doing the podcast and doing uh, doing stuff with Tau Forty Thousand. Uh, I have uh, I have I have regularly had to come back to this place, and it is something of a madhouse with uh, with kids running around and, um, you know I, I then have to do these long treks out into into kind of I I don't really want to call it wilderness because it's not a wilderness it's just kind of like a like a hot and then freezing cold void, uh, to do kind of like uh, basically uh, safety checks and uh, and things like that but i just you know anyway um the 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 house is very often loud <laughs> too loud um and uh and i i just uh, you know i don't really have a, a quiet moment to my to myself um except for at night when everything is too cold um and and too quiet and uh and i'm i'm in the the guest area of the home so um so i thought it would be kind of a cool thing to talk about um a little bit of a crossover uh situation but but also i mean i guess a, a hypothetical um i should say that one of my other side jobs i'll, I'll <laughs> if you listen to enough of these episodes you'll you'll pick up on uh, a lot of what i i do for a living and it is it, it is a very varied thing i uh uh, I am also a video game developer, uh, and uh, and work and work at a company called um, Afray Interactive. Um, Afray is currently in the process. It's a it's uh, it's a first person shooter video game um, in the SCP universe, and I, uh, I I I do a lot of their managerial work. It's something that happened um, as a result of you know the various uh, things that have stopped work over time. Um, strikes in the case of Hollywood and then COVID and whatnot. And so I do, I do lots of satellite work for them. Um, but what that's done is kind of opened me up to another franchise. Um, I do love the Tau. I do love Warhammer 40,000 as always. Uh, but you know, when I first started off my, my nerd, uh, my nerd, nerddom, nerdisms, um, it was Star Wars, um, the original, uh, trilogy and the original trilogy, you know, was a was a very uh, unusual place because um, because all we had was the expanded universe, and the expanded universe was filled with like you know you couldn't you could never make up your mind if it was like is this for kids is this like rated R um, <laughs> you know there's there's a particularly amazing scene between Boba Fett and Leia the night before uh, Boba Fett gets tossed into the Sarlacc pit, and um, it's a it's it is very not you know not safe for children topic um 
uh, and we'll leave it at that. But you can you can find it in Tales of I think it's Tales of the Bounty Hunter or Tales from Moss Eisley. Tales I think it's Tales from Moss Eisley, um, which was like a, a short compilation. But then you know you had the Admiral Thrawn trilogy by by Timothy Zahn. Anyway, um, my first love was Star Wars and tracking all of these timeline things, and and very much like what I have to do or what anybody has to do with with Tal lore, you have to kind of just admit like that stuff's weird and we're just going to ignore that. Timothy Zahn was most famous for doing this with the Dark Empire books where Luke Skywalker falls to the dark side and is turned into the new, I guess you'd call it apprentice. Yeah, he was turned into the new apprentice by a resurrected Palpatine. Elements of this would get like absorbed into the, you know, Disney universe of Star Wars. But, um, but Timothy Zahn, who created Admiral Thrawn, hated that. Uh, he hated a resurrected Palpatine. And so he just ended up, uh, he ended up just saying it didn't happen. And in fact, he kind of pokes fun of it in Heir to the Empire, or um, actually it might be in the third book, uh, Last Command, where he pokes fun of the idea that that ever happened. Um, and it's very tongue in cheek, but to the people who loved the lore, they were like kind of thrown off by it because it's like the power levels didn't match, right? Uh, Luke had become, you know, a, a Vader level, uh, operator with none of the limitations of his, you know, cybernetic body. And then when, you know, Timothy Zahn wrote about him, he's back to kind of being a little bit more of like this naive farm boy, um, at like Return of the Jedi levels of power. And, and what, how do you, how do you compensate that? And then back in the day, you know, we didn't really have forums to the extent that we have now, but you had to kind of, you know, in your various nerd groups, of which I was a part of many uh, in comic book stores and, and the local games workshop, uh, you know, you would battle each other in real time and you had to just know what you were talking about um, or at least be confident enough to fake it. <laughs> um, and then gradually, you know, circa 1999, I just stopped being interested in Star Wars largely because of the episode one movie. Um, and I, you know, it could be that I was growing up too, and, and I wanted something a little bit more hard hitting and got into Warhammer 40k, um, loved Grimdark almost right out of the bat. Uh, and then two years later that, you know, the towel come out and, and the rest is history. But, but having to navigate, you know, the, 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 the what is canon and the canonicity of franchises is something that's actually gotten much harder, um, because so many people are aware of so much, uh, so much uh, lore, right? That 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 what what is canon becomes becomes a constant kind of uh, point of contention, right? Um, certainly, uh, and 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 very recently, you know, I, I got to have another conversation with a couple of Black Library authors, and I was bringing up, you know, the goddess of the greater good, and they, none of them had any idea what I was talking about, and uh, it was. It was a very unusual moment where I, where I had to explain what the, the greater good goddess was. Um, <laughs> to which I got the reaction from, you know, I, I'm not going to name any of them, but very prominent uh, people in, in uh, storytellers in our, in our hobby, um, you know, said, but wait a minute, that, you know, that I, that's not how that works, <laughs> you know, and uh, there's both a level of vindication, right? Because I, I, spend too much time arguing on the internet. I'm, I'm currently 
uh, facing a ban from Reddit recently from going a little bit too deep, actually on a Star Wars topic, um, and that's fine, and I deserved it, and one shouldn't, you know, be toxic, I guess, but, but sometimes... Uh, I just have a very high opinion of what movies represent to our society. Anyway, um, yeah, I just, uh, uh, <laughs> there's a certain level of vindication, um, but then there's a, th then there's a kind of a, a uh, the floor kind of drops out from you and there's this feeling of kind of hopelessness because <laughs> if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, what the, what the heck is going on, you know? And, uh, and that's because they're, they're, you know, ultimately really with Warhammer 40,000 is that the hard, disgusting, mind-breaking reality is that there is no canon. And we're just drifting publication to publication, codex to codex, desperate to find, you know, this coherency that just quite frankly doesn't exist. And, you know, I mean, to a certain extent has never really existed except back when all the writers used to, you know, hang out together and create this universe for us to to live in and to enjoy stories in. And I always have to remind myself of that. Um, but, but that, you know, I've now, you know, I'm 20 years in and uh, I'm, a, I'm a major part of, uh, you know, the, the, the creation of a language. Um, uh, that 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 serves directly to to this you know this this fountain of lore that I I I know I know Tal lore better than I know the the histories of of real countries that I've studied and and have degrees in you know like I I'm a, I'm a very educated person when I'm a, I'm a classically trained historian you know and I I that has all fallen by the wayside. Uh, uh, but but I yet I know Tal lore uh, with with more uh, acuity than um, you know that I, I you know than, than when, when did George Washington cross the Potomac? So it, everybody gets cre character creation points when they're when they're when they're when their brain is formatting and just mine just went all over to these fake histories and fake timelines and I, I care about them more than I care about the real ones so. So here I am, you know, and uh, and I, you know, there there's a there, part of me is there's there's a desire to continue to create fan fiction and things like that, of which I I write under various pseudonyms, um, and I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy the 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 serotonin kick that you get from 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 the creation of you know from the creation of of uh, fandom, right? Uh, I think it's, it's lovely. You get to, you, and, and you get to read other people's fandoms and, and, you know, you, you get this kind of synergy going and I'm, I'm always pushing for this idea that, that one day all the fans will get together and we'll do basically what Battletech did and just decide what's real and what's not. But the, you know, obviously, but the problem is, is that you need a certain type of community to do that. And the Warhammer 40k community does suffer from uh, still a, a desire for there to be hard canon. Um, I, I think that's why that 30k is so popular because it has a beginning, middle, and we all know the end. Um, and there'll be just some, there'll be some variants perhaps, and 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 some and some side quests. But at the end of the day, the emperor is going to be beaten, and he's going to end up in a chair. And, and here we are. So. So the side job that I have, um, working, 
you know, working for uh, a video game company, uh, I had this really unusual job in which it's managerial, um, which is, which is, you know, it's okay. Um, but I said to them that, you know, one of the things I really need to do is I need to get, get some of that creative energy going. And, uh, and, and the SCP universe for which their games are being developed for, uh, is <laughs> chock-a-block full of lore. Um, <laughs> with, with all the, with all the variable can canonicity, uh, that you would expect from an online wiki created by literally hundreds of different authors, um, since 2012. And if you don't know what SCP is, um, you know, I, I, I recommend taking a look at it. It's, it's the, the strange mutant child of like the X-Files meets Cabin in the Woods meets the Men in Black meets like, uh, some kind of crazy tactical horror nightmare <laughs> and, and all of these different things called anomalies are, 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 are the stuff of, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not always monsters, but sometimes they're locations such as a, a sentient, uh, Ikea, which slowly digests you. And, uh, and then sometimes just chupa, you know, an inter, an internet, uh, approximation of a chupacabra. Um, the titular character or I guess organization that kind of keeps everything in line in the SCP universe. And this, by the way, is not going to turn into a conversation about the SCP universe, but it does have to do with something that occurred to me tonight. Um, but in, in this universe, there is a non-governmental, uh, uh, organization called the foundation and the foundation is, kind of an, a, a, a mysterious, you know, very, very much like the CIA meets like the bureaucracy of like a, like a corporation. Um, and it is their job to serve, contain, or excuse me, uh, secure, contain and protect these anomalies. Um, and it's very interesting, you know, that mo most of the wiki entries involve very extensive and very esoteric and confusing ways of how, how exactly do you contain Things like, you know, uh, uh, like a cannibal, uh, like a, a, basically like a, a material transferring cannibal or uh, an infestation of uh, mutated cephalopods, you know, things like that. But it's, it's all very, um, it's all very government sounding and it's, it's cool. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting approach to ghost and monster stories. Um, invariably, there will be characters that have to do things they don't like and, that often means sacrificing people. I mean, it gets, it gets pretty, it ranges from comedy to absolutely barbaric, uh, very quickly. Um, and, uh, and I do, I do uh, narrative work for them. I, I, uh, 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 next to the managerial stuff and I have to read gobs and gobs of, of lore. And, and it's very interesting, very interesting. Another similar universe to 40 K in that there are no real title characters and, and the title character, I mean, there, there are some like, and there, there's some like VIP characters, but really the rest, the universe is not, uh, dictated to by celebrity. Um, when you, when you want to compare that to like age of Sigmar or something like, or star Wars, right. Where you, it doesn't, it, a billion stormtroopers will die before, uh, Luke Skywalker, you know, breaks a sweat. So, 
So I started thinking about it though, and and I realized that the SCP, the foundation, um, you know, which is run predominantly by kind of cold and generally cold and calculating scientist type characters, um, is actually very very close to how I think would be a really interesting way for the Tao to be, let's call it reimagined, right? So, oh, sorry, there is a helicopter. Let me just close that. Um, so, so the foundation sends out people to secure. Now that, that is often, um, you know, special forces type units uh, equipped with all manner of weapons. They secure something, they contain it in area, the things, these places called areas or facilities, you know, basically Area 51. Um, uh, and they contain it through a variety of different ways, sometimes ridiculous and, and, and very, you know, kind of like, uh, let's call it um, sorcerous ways, but also high technology. Uh, and by doing so, they protect the, the, greater, the greater population. Now, that's not just the foundation, that's, that's, uh, that's other human beings, right? And really, the foundation's whole job is to maintain a the something. It's like it's called the veil, and this veil is to occlude the things that would make human beings go crazy if they knew they existed. Very cool stuff. But you know, we're looking down the barrel of tenth edition, and we're and you know we're going to be getting a codex next year, and. Um, Uh, after seeing, you know, I mean, you, you look at other factions' codexes to kind of try to gauge what's going to happen to your lore, and it doesn't really look like that much is going to change. Really, the codexes have become have become mm, temporary landing sites for rules because the rules on the day of get a either get an update or change or things like that. I don't really understand the point of codexes very much anymore. Um, because there's so many changes uh, done to them over the course of their life. But, but you know, they were always the, the penultimate gold standard of what our lore is. Um, ours being Warhammer 40k players. Um, that is, uh, and, and, and my time working in and around the Games Workshop environment, um, I learned that the Codex is the only thing that determines any kind of canon. And the reason for that is because the codex is, uh, it is what everyone has to buy in order to interact with the 40k universe. Uh, not everybody buys Black Library books or listens to audiobooks or things like that, um, but we all buy the codexes. So, so that is that is the that is the gold standard inside of inside of that inside of the universe. And so when the lore diminishes, so too does the lore diminish on the outside. And yet I kind of hope and pray and, and work toward this future where hopefully we will have, we will have a, a substantial chunk of, the, of canonicity determined by the fan base. I, I do feel as though that that is the... That, it, that there's no other direction that it can go. If there is less lore uh, provided, then the then the fans will provide the lore themselves. And I think about S, that you know this this job I have at SCP at a, at a company making SCP content, and I think that would be the best way to fulfill the two 
the two immediate lore needs that the Tao have. The first being nobody likes that we are self-proclaimed good guys. Um, and, and it's not self-proclaimed, you know, recently in, in media publications, uh, you know, when they announced that there was going to be a movie with Henry Cavill, um, in, in the news, in, in, in the actual real world news, there were articles, uh, written that were trying to, you know, encapsulate and describe what the, what the 40k universe, um, is, and they described the Tao as the only real good guys. So, you know, <laughs> no, no one likes that. And, and people argue it and, 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 and basically weigh heavily upon the vagaries that are described, uh, in our lore, um, and say like, well, you know, like if the Tao don't like you, they'll destroy you. Or if the, if you don't join the greater good, well, they'll kill everybody. And I, I find myself in these conversations, you know, once a month, twice a month, and I have to always explain like canonically that's happened once one race has been outright conquered and it's said kind of offhand and i forget their name because they're only mentioned once and it's sometimes hard to track because all tau lore are all all tau lore and in fact all xenos lore is very much from the imperial perspective but we don't have a clear example of the tau coming in actually conquering a race colonizing them destroying their culture and then you know being being a let's just call it bad right um instead we get the exact opposite and i i, I am eternally appreciative of the fact that we get the opposite because i personally don't like the idea that the tau have somehow become bad guys over the course of the last couple of codexes because i i i'd love a, a clear example of them becoming the bad guys i'm, I'm all for them you know witnessing the, the the you know the abyss that is the 40k universe and and the abyss imprinting on them and forcing them to do stuff but every every time we have an example of this they they veer left no no bigger example can be found than the fourth sphere expansion which i bring up a lot but in the fourth sphere expansion uh you have this uh, you know, you have this this jump gone wrong, and the fleet is scattered throughout the galaxy, and and then returns. And when they do return, they are traumatized from the voyage, um, and they annihilate their population of auxiliaries for some reason. You know, um, and when the fifth sphere catches up to them, uh, they begin to systematically attack the the auxiliaries that have come with the fifth sphere resulting in them being chastised. Now, remember that the Tau don't have, well, I guess it depends on what source you look at, but generally speaking, the Tau don't have a execution process. You know, there is no commissar with a pulse pistol behind the ear of a, you know, of a disloyal fire warrior. Um, they, yes, they might have re-education, which, you know, uh, all, there's all matter of mental images of what that could be, but generally speaking, the way that the Tao solve uh, their internal problem problems is through uh, either mediation um, or kind of what sounds like a, an almost public shaming, which is the Makla ritual. Now, the Makla ritual has never gone into, and a lot of people used to think it meant, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Harikiri or, you know, some kind of, you know, some kind of uh, uh, suicide, 
Um, but but now we've but we've always had descriptions of people surviving this this kind of public shaming. Uh, Bright Sword being the most prominent example, but now also uh, the entirety of the fourth sphere, where the leadership, including Ethereals, is is chastised chastised for murdering uh, auxiliaries. So this example that we have of the Tao being bad guys and, and doing bad things, well, you know, okay, here we go. There we go. That's the example. But then the greater Tao society, uh, specifically, you know, if you want to call it the ethereals, uh, chastise them for doing this uh, publicly and then sequester them from the greater Tau military operations, which heavily rely on auxiliaries. So, so right there, you know, we had this opportunity to be like, okay, now that's why the Tau are, are bad guys right there. But they self-regulate themselves and self, you know, and, and try to self-improve themselves. And so that, that perfectly, you know, uh, that lamb to slaughter, that perfectly uh, organized moment uh, that they spent a lot of pages on uh, gets nullified by the fact that all of those Tau are are rejected for their for their actions and punished. So so that's a <laughs> so that's a diatribe. Um, but you have to solve the fact that the the greater 40k fan base, generally speaking, doesn't like anybody you know wants everybody to be miserable everybody's a bad guy uh generally speaking those people who don't know very much about farsight then go ah but except farsight who's living in some kind of paradise out in the middle of nowhere um you know generally speaking 40k players want everyone to be just as bad as the worst of anybody um you know and they'll hand wave things like uh like you'll have, uh, you know, people will be like, well, orcs, orcs just want to have a good time. And they forget the fact that orcs, you know, partake in heavy slavery, which they trade slaves to all, all societies um, and uh, and torch and, and very actively torture people uh, in the same way that a child might pull the wings off of a fly. In this case, it'll be, you know, the orc doesn't like your face, so he pulls it off. Um you know, Necrons, by the way, also partake in slavery. You know, it's, it, it's, <laughs> it's not a great place to live, 40k. So, so what do we do about the Tau, you know? In the most recent books, like Longshot, you know, we have this attempt, another attempt. And I know I've said I'm going to review this book, and I will. I, I will. But in Longshot, and, and spoilers ahead, if you aren't interested but um it it, it showcases uh cadians uh cadians who are who are, are struggling with you know what does it mean to be cadian because they're starting very much like gaunt's ghost uh at Vergast. they are now bringing in uh survivors and other other imperials to supplement their ranks and you know there's a there's a high level of i mean let's just call it racism because uh, I don't know what else to call it, um, but there's a high level of racism for between the Cadians and the non-Cadians, the who who wear the Cadian uniform, and the one of the ways that they determine, uh, you know, kind of like an instant loyalty is like, are your eyes purple? And it's it's a really wonderful moment 
that I that I really enjoyed reading because it shows that internal strife. And of course, the book is about uh, a certain sniper who is basically earning her place uh, by the side of the Cadians. Um, it starts getting a little bit clunky uh, as you know the exact details, uh, the exact details of how you know, she's this incredible sniper and she served with two Cadian snipers who were also incredible and they you know, single-handedly toppled uh, a chaos warband and whatnot, and it gets a little bit clunky. But in general, the, the tension between the two factions is great, which leads her, drives her, to consider betraying everything and joining the Tau. You know, the, ostracize, the ostracization that happens between uh, the Cadian leadership and, and her, like, she's like, finally, you know what, I'm just going to leave. And this, it, it, it's great because then you're amongst these Guevessa, which, by the way, are called Tau. Uh, it's an interesting development that I hope that they lean into. Uh, despite the fact that they are Guevessa, Cadians refer to Tau who have joined the Tau as Tau. It's a very interesting, it's a very interesting concept. Uh, they're described, of course, as human, um, uh, but but they're wearing the same gear as Tau and everything, and so the snipers just say they're Tau. I I hope it's not a mistake, and I hope it's something that they lean into. Um, but, but you know, because culturally, what does that mean? That means that this is another example of how the Tao don't differentiate between their auxiliaries. In fact, anybody that joins the greater good is, you know, Tao. Um, which I think is, I don't think I've ever seen, <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually think in all of my years as a sci-fi nerd, I don't think I've ever seen that. I think, I think that that's, that's brilliant, you know, um, if, if, it, if it is what it is. But... Gradually, what ends up happening is she gets, you know, she kind of gets captured, and and they're talking to her about turning, turning sides. Excuse me. And as she as she considers this, you know, she hears these horror stories from who these Guevessa are. Now, the only person that really explores longer term uh, Guevessa is like uh, Andy Chambers uh, and Andy Hoare. Um, who who talk about generations of Guevessa. There's this uh, there's this adherence that Kelly has to this idea that any humans that that join the Tau have somehow just only joined the Tau. But we know that there were Guevessa serving the Tau even before first contact with the Imperium. So that would mean that there are populations of humans that you know have existed for dozens of generations without any Imperial contact. Um, you know, over the over the course of the three hundred and fifty years you have from the uh, the Damocles Gulf Crusade and the the current you know era Indominus, so um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a it's an intriguing aspect. Uh, but but this but in, in long shot these these Guevessa are the survivors of what the Mechanicum did to this world. So for, they're fighting on a forge world. And the Mechanicum, you know, treated them horribly, didn't feed them, whipped them, killed them, uh, uh, and and basically, I mean, kind of any given Wednesday uh, in the Imperium, right? And they rose up against the Mechanicum and they killed them uh, because and because the Tau gave them the chance to. Um, meanwhile, there's there there are slightly older Guevessa from other war theaters and everything, and they describe. 
Uh, they describe all manner of atrocities that the Imperium has committed against them. And this is why they're fighting. I mean, they're basically rebels, right? One guy even goes so far as to describe, I, I believe, um, if memory serves correct, how his his wife and, and child were, were both, uh, were both um, tortured, you know? Um, and now... Uh, I believe, I believe it, and now they are being taken care of somewhere else, you know, the tower taking care of them, and this is why he fights. I might have gotten confused with that, with another story, but, um, with, because uh, I'm reading 30k right now as well, but there is, um, it's either that or they were murdered, and now he fights because he wants to kill the Imperium, you know, it's one or the other, but it's super intense, it's really interesting, it's some of the most, in I mean, I really think, Again, because the Tao provides such a great perspective on the 40k universe, you know, that what, you know, what does it mean for, you know, a thousand people to be sacrificed to a god or a man who purports to be a god and who is treated like a god every single day, you know, and the, and the level of excuses that the Imperium comes up with to kind of like, you know, just ignore that fact, right? Um, there, are, there are greater horrors out there. Like you're, you're only experiencing the most unimaginably terrifying regime in the history of the human species because everything out there is worse. But wait a minute, then there are the Tau, which are not worse. And then everything you've been told is a lie. How betrayed would you feel? If, you know, you gotta think about it, right? Like people growing, growing up in the Scola, um, you know, and are probably beaten, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a medieval sci-fi universe, right? These children are probably beaten and starved, starved naturally. I mean, they're eating corpse starch on hive worlds. Uh, imagine every day, your day is just awful and miserable. And you have these moments of, of brevity where, you know, you find comfort in another human being and maybe you start a family and things like that, but you're, you're still living in, in, in a cartoonishly grim, dark universe where, you know, they've got, thousands of people running on 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 hamster wheels to power engine turbines you know and uh and zombies are basically walking around uh as calculators you know like it's just again imagine if you woke up from that and suddenly there's an alien race who provides you with a drone that just helps clean your apartment like out of for no reason just like that's 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 it and you suddenly have clean drinking water and maybe you don't have all the food that you want but you have all the food that you need to survive the betrayal that you would feel from that experience would be uh, incredible uh, and 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 the result would be pure rage and hate not chaos induced hate not gene cults psychically aggravated you know, rage or, or any of that stuff. Like it would be hum pure psychologically human wrath, the, the, the traditional wrath, you know, the biblical wrath. And then you have the Tao giving you, putting a gun in your hand and telling you what the goal is, you know? And that's what this book almost was. Because at the very end, and I'm, again, spoiler, um, at the very end of this book, you know, the non-Cadian sniper just goes, actually, I saw that, you know, the refugees weren't living as good as the Tau, and so I realized that the greater good is a lie. And this Guevessa, who just told me about how his wife and child, you know, either lived or died, were tortured or died, uh, it was never about making, you know, the universe a greater place. It was about, you know, it was about his rage and selfishness. 
And somehow this, you know, it's all done in about a paragraph. And suddenly she's wiping out, just killing everyone around her. She just massacres this Guevessa squad. And in a couple other pages, then she turns around and snipes the ethereal. And and that's the end of the book. Basically, the the Tau get defeated off, off screen. So, another missed opportunity. It was there, but ultimately a missed opportunity. And that's because I'm sure there's an editor or people on Reddit clambering to make sure that everybody knows that the tower is just as bad as the rest of us, or whatever. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, well, you know, at least that pheromone thing is no longer, you know, on the table. And, hey, in Longshot, the Tau blood is blue, you know? So, hey, I, we're getting there. We're, we're, winning, we're winning the victories that don't matter. Um, but, uh, but how, okay, so, so how does this relate to SCP? Well, you've got this, this glaring problem where everybody wants us to be evil. And then you've got this other glaring problem that most Tau players, truthfully are on the nicer side of nerd i know that and believe me i've been to enough reddit and been a part of enough reddit conversations and every now and again you know when when things spill over or get hot or tested um on the discord i'll get a i'll get a dm from someone being like you know is this you know you (laughs) you know why why are we fighting each other why is why you know why is why is somebody doing this or doing that or why is he insulting me and and so on and so forth and and you know, I, along with the other moderators, or I'm sure who go through similar things, you know, we, we are, yeah, you know, but, but I would say that generally speaking, that the Tau communities uh, of the internet are generally speaking fairly nice places. Um, I am told, although I've never experienced them, uh, I am told that the Tyranid community is the nicest, um, <laughs> which I don't, I'm sure there's a level of irony in there. Um, but we get, you know, but, but again, we, we have our, we have, we have people that, that believe we're the worst. And I think it's probably because we just don't agree. Generally, we don't agree with the consensus of the rest of the 40k universe. We are at odds with it. So here's the solution. Here's the hypothetical. Now that you've been sitting here for a half hour. Um, what if we think of the Tau as the foundation from the SCP universe. Now take, take a moment and kind of think about that, right? So the foundation being an observational entity run pre- predominantly by scientists uh, who believe that they are, you know, they have to perform a task for the greater good, no matter how horrible, even if this monster, that the only way that it stays asleep is if you feed it children, that that is for the greater good of humanity. Well, okay, apply the same logic and apply the same naivete and the same desperate hope for survival and you apply that to the Tau. Well, let, let's try it, right? So you have the Earth cast, right? Now the Earth cast, um, like, like almost all of the uh, mechanic, let's call it like the mechanic scientists of the 40K universe, there's a certain level of coldness from the Earth cast. Um, they're pragmatic, and pragmatism comes with a a, a uh, its own kind of sociopathy. Um, 
you know the earth the, the earth cast is described many times also uh, as as one of the the cat the it's the largest cast but they also perform a lot of various functions they also carry weapons um, and you can see that in various publications where they'll pull out pistols and start you know shooting and and uh, and obviously um, in the Farsight Codex you have uh, you have Earthcast pilots that that pilot riptides I still don't really understand that but I don't need to so so the Earthcast is is very it's cold it's calculating right but at the same time we're also we also see descriptions of them uh, as as very warm to each other. Um, they're the only case of bond mates where they marry individually uh, and they raise their children. Um, they are the builders. Uh, they they take on a lot of uh, the pain of, of, of physical labor um, and because they because they want to, um, even though they could uh, have drones and stuff do everything for them. There's a there's kind of a there's a little bit of like a, the the let's call it like the space marine approach to to keeping a civilization a civilization hard right like you don't you don't want to rely on the machines too much otherwise you'll you'll become weak or you'll you'll lose touch with what you're you know who you are it's interesting um all the casts kind of have have that especially the fire cast but um but the earth cast you know let's let's see what they're like though um i've brought this up a couple times you know when the ethereals are not around and and the casts are left to themselves they kind of enter a little bit of a myopathy right like they they become hyper focused with problem solving the way that their cast problem solves or solves problems um and the earth cast if left to their own devices um and see a problem that needs fixing they will <laughs> i mean they build titans don't they you know the taunar is uh is a freak of nature in terms of the military of the firecast military but it was built in spite of the ethereals uh saying that it was too much to spend on a single unit uh the taunar uh was uh was built uh to deploy against tyranids um and if you look at the ballistic suit which is not uh is not technically a battle suit but the storm surge for example um defies a lot of logic when it comes to uh the way that the firecast uh uh prepares for war i mean everything about the firecast is always about fast hard hitting and maneuverable um, maneuverability above all things and the storm surge is not that um the, now the 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 jury's out on whether they can fly or not because there's artwork of them flying but generally speaking you know they're pretty lumbering right um but the Earthcast does this. It creates crazy things. They, they tamper with suns. They try to figure out if they can get them to strategically go Nova. You know, they they, they build uh, planetary weapons that can hit targets all over a solar system. Um, they uh, they experiment to make them more lethal. You know, like they they are they are not the mad scientists. They're the unbridled uh military industrial complex uh and they they will create things that are are truly uh you know next level uh when it comes to uh serving a purpose right or, or completing a purpose so you put those guys in charge right and then you have the water cast now the water cast uh especially 
uh, in older lore, but there are some indications of some newer stuff now. They're, they're somewhere between, like, they're the detectives, um, bureau, bureaucrats, but then they're also scientists, They uh, and obviously diplomats. Um, it was a watercast scientist, for example, that uh, led the development of certain uh, certain weapons like the rail rifle um, uh, in, in conjunction with the earth cast. So there's, the, again, the, the idea of Vashya, right, um, has always been, since the beginning, a positive thing, including a sept. Uh, only very recently was it kind of demonized and this idea that that, that go, doing things beyond what your cast does is somehow evil. It just has never, to me, it has never made any sense because we've always seen fire cast starship crews. We've seen um, earth cast or air cast mechanics, um, water cast scientists, and so on and so forth. Um, but now the water cast is, is bureaucracy too, though, right? Like a lot of it is bureaucracy. And they their madness, right, is propaganda. Like, they'll go to, I mean, just look at Phaedra in Fehavari's works. Um, that That is led, you know, uh, uh, that is led by a a water cast, uh, be, I believe a poor L, or it might even be like a poor Vray, something crazy. But after the leadership died, he was the only one that was left, and he's going crazy. He's, he's, he's losing his mind. Um, and he's utilizing all different types of propaganda measures in order to kind of perpetuate the war um while also kind of this 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 double-sided argument where he's trying to bring more and more people in which is working you know the the tau have allied with the indigenous population and they are bringing over uh uh imperials all the time so it's a really again favari's work is uh is really good but that bureaucracy, that naivete, they are also the naivete, right? Like they, they sent diplomats to the Necrons. They negotiated with the Dark Eldar. They, um, they, when, you know, when you, when you talk about the Tau being naive, it is the water cast that is naive. And, and, and no better example exists than their depression, their, their depression at not being able to convert the orcs over to the way of the greater good. Um, it's a great bit of lore. Uh, comes out of the Gladius uh, Analects, um, where the the water cast regards, you know, depressingly that that they they messed up, uh, and if they could only have figured out how to get an orc to get on board with the greater good, everything would be better. Uh, now, keep in mind, there are still orc mercenaries that work for the firecast, or work with the firecast in small numbers, but that's, that's fairly common. Um, so, so you have the water cast that is probing and poking and fi- trying to figure stuff out. And then you got the earth cast, which is also probing and trying to figure stuff out, but, but with more of like a utility uh, perspective to it. And I mean, okay, yeah, you got the fire cast that's straightforward. You got the air cast also straightforward. The ethereal cast. Now, the ethereal cast is always interesting because I also don't believe it makes any sense that they're trying to keep everybody in their species ignorant. However, I do think that they do believe wholeheartedly and often that they know better as a cast, not all of them. I mean, obviously, Anshi is a is is the you know is the black sheep. Um, from that group but I think the ethereals 
play their cards very close to the chest and they're they're a little bit like uh oni right from halo or uh or the jedi council which is what the ethereals are based on um they they have their own trajectory and mandate set down by their own system and they know what needs to be done now interestingly they don't rule like kings they rule like a priesthood right so they're not in charge they're not sitting on a throne but they're they're doing their thing and generally speaking everybody around them follows them because they're the priesthood right um they and these these ethereals you know they're, they're, there's a there's a there's a level of mystique and mystery around them most of it is artifact you know is, is 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 created by themselves in order to be mysterious because everybody knows that symbolism and pageantry and aesthetics actually have a real world effect on how to manipulate control and also help people right we 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 paint uh you know we paint hospitals beige because it's supposed to lower anxiety or most recently they've realized that uh street lamps that are blue actually lowers crime by like eight or twelve percent it's ridiculous but i mean there you go right um so there's all the sorts of little things that you can societally engineer to make people's lives better it's not always like you know lizard people controlling the weather you know um but if we were to take the format of, of the foundation, well, they have all of that as well. You know, they have the security forces, they have the they have the bureaucrats, they have the scientists, right? Like they have all of these things. And if you plop that mindset that the Tau, upon entering the greater galaxy, witness the Cicatrix Maledictum, right? They witness the attempted uh, uh, exterminatus of Mughalath Bay. Uh, they witness the genocides that the Sisters of Battle commit on their own people. Um, they watch as uh, the Imperium uh, utilizes slavery with the Ogrins uh, or, or, or those populations that they consider undesirable. The, the, the same humans who also uh, have industrial can cannibalism and live in, in single structures that span all the way up into space and have billions of people living on uh, in them you know um they witness all of this and they say there needs to be a veil and now there's evidence of this already happening like so for example the nikasar are kept off of the front lines because they because the town know that humans are uh extremely um well, if they're not xenophobic, they are outright terrified of the potential of, like, psychic species, right? So the Tao kind of deliberately keep the Nikasar away from frontline encounters. Um, the, the Tao also know that, like, if they're going to work with, uh, with local Imperials, they have to kind of, they have to charm them a little bit, right? Like, they have to bribe them, um... But, but generally speaking, they are also kind of almost always surprised and horrified that, 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 that this is kind of like how humanity solves its problems, both um, on, uh, Titans when they first uh, appeared uh, on Dalith 250 years ago, um, but, but also, um, you know, also what a dreadnought is. And when you crack it open, it's got a corpse, well, a relative corpse inside of it that's, that's existed longer than the Tau uh, have had space flight. So... So that veil that I was talking about earlier on, the, the the point that the foundation has, right, this 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 normalcy, like that everything is going to be okay, 
um, that they that they prop up for humanity in the SCP universe. Um, imagine if that was the Tao objective. That yes, a hundred percent, we know demons exist. I mean, how could you not? Demons have existed uh, for the Tau since they entered the region where the the Crute um, exists. Uh, the Crute Empire used to be in the Burtis Rift. Um, there's the very famous story of a Tau commander uh, writing down his memoirs and saying that he killed a war band leader called Slanesh. You know, like we all know those stories. The 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 demons and the and the, and their puppets and the and the, and the traitor Astartes that we we know about have been around in Tau lore. Uh, uh, in Tal lore uh, for, for, for hundreds of years, uh, if not even over a thousand years. So so we know so, so the Tau know that these demons exist. But what about everything else? I mean, demons are really not even the worst monsters that exist in the 40k universe, you know? What if the Tau see all of this and they realize for the betterment of all, they have to secure places like, you know, uh, planets that have rampant warp storms on them. Um, planets that have been turned into demon worlds. They have to contain these planets. They have to contain these drifting starships that have entire teeming civilizations of uh, of these Eldar that are that are heretical, but they're also so haughty and 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 arrogant that they'll exterminate species in the in with the idea that somehow in the future an Eldar might stub their toe. And that's a meme, but but you know what I'm saying, right? So we have to we have to contain and and sequester and build a build a perimeter around this craft world because these these people are crazy. They also have access to a faster than light network that bypasses even the warp in speed and agility. And we have no idea how that works. What about these Necrons, right? Ancient intelligences trapped inside of robotic bodies that have divorced themselves entirely from the biological experience yet they are kind of basically cosplaying as rulers of old and taking slaves and playing diplomat and stuff like that meanwhile they go into a kind of rampant insanity you know yet they have the power to snuff out entire star systems by just the press of a button you know how do, how do how does the how does the mind of anybody who's sane handle this stuff so instead of diplomacy that the, that the Tao start facing the rest of the 40k universe in what if it's a desire to contain it for the betterment of all for the greater good these this is a madhouse we have to build walls around this madhouse and so instead of the Tao constantly colonizing and this this kind of endless expansion drive which again no longer really makes any sense, right? Like if you think about how many Tau there are and you think about how many auxiliaries there are, I, and I, again, I've said this before, but the, the Tau are likely a minority within their own society. Um, they're not going to be mass populating any of these worlds that they've taken because our timeline has effectively remained still and is in stasis. It's frozen, you know? So we're never going to, if we expand, what's the point of expanding? Like, it, if it took a you know if it took a hundred years to to colonize a continent well we're trapped in like year four so that's kind of a dead end for a story isn't it what can you really do with that but what about containment 
Now, containment's super interesting because that means that the Tau no longer need to worry about... A lot of people, you know, you look at the map and it's like, oh, the Tau are only in this tiny corner of the galaxy. But you read into the lore and there are Tau everywhere. There are Tau next to Ball. There, uh, the entire fifth sphere is uh, on, the foot, on the doorstep of Carduniash, um, which is the former Segmentum capital of the Ultima Segmentum. Um, you have Tau showing up at Nakmund that are that are that are uh, unlocking strange and unusual, you know, weapons that I think sound Necron because they shoot green lightning. But let's be honest, it could be all matter of things. You know, even the on in in the enclaves, you you have you're being led by a, a vampiric or at least a spiritually vampiric uh, immortal force commander who has a sword that sucks down people's remaining life you know like you there, there are all of these things that don't have anything to do with colonization instead it should it should focus on the tau look at the madhouse and say we need to build we need to build walls that those walls need to have barbed wire on them we need to build towers with people that have rifles because nearby there's a town filled with innocent you know let's say greet right the invertebrate greek they're a species that has absolutely nothing to really offer the the Tau in terms of territory or military prowess. The Greet are aqua farmers, you know, they, they that's what they do. They're just really, they, they love farming. Or, uh, or, or what about, you know, uh, I mean, you could even say the Nikasar again, right? I mean, the Nikasar aren't are particularly warlike people. They like to, they are natural explorers of the stars. That's all they want to do with their time. You know, um, so you have dozens of these alien races, and then you have the 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 Arkham, you know, Arkham Asylum on fire, and nowhere, no one can find Batman. Uh, kind of scenario where everyone is just completely insane, and not only are they insane, they're doubling down on their insanity, and now the entire galaxy has been ripped in half. It's time to build an it's time to build a wall <laughs> to coin a term. Um, but but I think that that I think that that is is more interesting. And then and then of course to keep you know to keep everything fresh and and to and to remind everybody that the Tau have no idea what they're doing. you know, if I was a gray knight, for example, I would be able to point to spots on my armor that are psychically shielded from the effects of, well, just about anything warp-related, right? But to a Tau, I just look like a ridiculous giant in silver armor, not even bothering to camouflage, uh, holding a spear, right? Or some kind of halberd, or I guess a giant sword, right? Like, I look absolutely ridiculous on a modern battlefield. So they put me down, and they start cracking open all of the, you know, these 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 esoteric uh, bolts and, and scroll work and things like that, right? But then they find out that these things have some kind of symbolic, and remember, symbolism in Warhammer 40,000 is a weapon unto itself. But these symbols that, that were on my armor, well, they're actually really good for some reason. We don't know why, but like, you know, demons, all those things that are running around over there, they shy away from this. This hasn't, you know, what's the scientific process behind that? And so the Tao start unlocking, you know, what does it mean? What do these symbols mean? Because they do reject, you know, they do reject warp creatures and things like that. So now all of a sudden you're, you're coming up with new containment measures 
Okay, well, what happens when you contain a demon, right? We've seen it a couple times. Eisenhorn is uh, is a great example of this, where uh, Cherubale has uh, you know has has been locked inside of his host uh, for an unknown amount of time and is often questioned, right? So what happens when the Tau start questioning uh, the things that they contain? What kind of answers are they going to get? Because remember, the Tau are going to be naturally more immune to the madness and the corruption of warp of the warp, right? You you and and I don't want to just you know kind of like isolate this to just 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 warp based stuff. Um, but what about you know what about the Eldar? Like what happens when you contain the Eldar? Imagine containing Eldred Ulthwan, right? Or 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 heck, just just a regular warlock. What kind you know this guy says that he can read the future. Um, this guy says that he's older than the imperium of mankind like what like what what is going on here like what what kind of answers could we unlock from these kinds of people what could we benefit by starting to you know corral tyranids you know tyranids who on the cellular level are trying to kill you you know there's a great description uh in the xeno xenobiology book uh where where the guy's observing that the cellular tyranid is trying to do the same thing that the building size tyranid is doing it's trying to assimilate and eat everything that's not it um it's basically an aggressive cancer for an entire species you know so what happens when the tau contain one of those when they start studying those how do they figure that they're going to protect themselves from the the hive fleet the best thing they can do is start to study them and in studying all of these things of course you unlock a, a pandora's box and suddenly you could have all kinds of narrative hooks where Tau all over space have made the drastic and, and unforgivable mistake of removing all of the imperial, you know, temples on a planet. Well, you just removed that planet's antibodies uh, to keep out the warp, you know. It's, there's a lot of possibilities there. And I, at the end of the day, think that you get a really, really awesome opportunity to show what the greater good actually means. Stop worrying about like aggressive diplomacy or gunboat diplomacy. There's nothing really to do with any of that stuff because quite frankly, the Tower are never going to convert an entire other faction that you can buy models for to join them. That's never gonna happen. It, would, it doesn't, wouldn't, wouldn't make any sense. Colonization wise, give us faster than light travel or be done with it. It does, like, you know, like, I don't know why that change was ever made. It doesn't make any sense in a sci fi universe. But, but we're stuck right now. We're stuck, we're relatively, right? Like, we have random jumps that land us all over the place. We're in the galactic core because of the Cicatrix Maledictum. Like, okay, you know, we're, we're we have operations in, in, in Segmentum Tempestus. Okay, okay, great, you know. Um, but I don't think that the, the colonization hook gets us anywhere. Instead, I think you level us up from being the naive to being the straight man, you know, the, the guy that is no nonsense, who's is the opposite of the comic relief, and who is trying to look at the 40k universe and figure out how to put it in a box.